0: Hello and welcome to the 141st edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a deep in across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton.
1: What's up, Now I I'm found a spot in the zone here, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, back again, uh, the wounds of, I guess, almost healed. I guess, I don't know if they'll ever heal from the national championship, but uh, excited to be back in the saddle and back to be with you guys and uh, all of our dedicated listeners, all the dedicated listeners that have been recruited through Lyft from our very own professor. So, uh, <laughs> if this is your first time listening, welcome and uh, welcome to the show, and you're going to enjoy the ride. I promise you.
0: Uh, hopefully, you as much as you enjoyed the ride in my lovely 2017 Nissan Rogue. Um, but we'd be remiss if we didn't introduce the third amigo in the second city, a man who is celebrating a snow day tomorrow. It's Ooh. our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and counting, Josh Cook.
2: The first one for Chicago Public Schools since 2011, but uh, even though I didn't win the prop pool at my Super Bowl party, it didn't feel really good. I know about three Eagles, and for first touchdown scored, I selected one of the three that I knew, which was Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs>
0: Well, the Super Bowl was fun. We're not going to talk about it here because it's not college football, but Super Bowl was uh, a lot of fun this year. So I actually took it in in lovely uh, Los Angeles, California, where I was out visiting this past weekend. But um, I am back now in Nashville, and I am ready to jump on the uh, college football off-season bandwagon. So on today's show, we'll be talking recruiting and transfers, have a little pop quiz as always, but first gentlemen, we need to talk about Michigan State. This is uh, unfortunately not the first time uh, this season or in the past few seasons we've had to talk about disturbing allegations of sexual assault and sexual violence occurring in and around a major college football program. Last time we uh, were talking about this, it was Baylor. This time it is Michigan State. For those of you who have been living under a rock uh, in the fallout from the Larry Nasser trial, uh, it has been discovered that there have been a very widespread culture of enabling and looking uh sort of turning a blind eye towards sexual assault and sexual violence on the michigan state campus specifically within the football and basketball programs um espn has reported that there have been at least 16 spartan football players accused of sexual assault or violence against women since mark d'antonio took over in 2007 um i want to talk about through sort of the role of the ncaa in this uh in, in more detail a little bit later, but Josh first, um, you know, unfortunately this, like I said, this is not the first time we've seen this issue um, in and around a college football team.
2: No. And it's, um, you know, it's systemic for a couple reasons. I think one of the biggest is the money involved in the sports. When you have a coach doing well, it's good for the university and, all the money they bring in and the NCAA knew about it. Uh, the, the head of the NCAA, um, Mark Emmerich, um, yes,
0: you know, knew about the allegations years ago. And back in 2010, thir- not, 37 no. different allegations uh, of sexual assault were brought to him. No. Um, and, and he did nothing. And it's,
2: it's real simple. The The schools are simply putting money and football over the safety of students. And it's, it's reprehensible. Um, you know, I, I hope you know, same as with Baylor, you know, I've discussed it Michigan State. They're now the team that won't be named. If two teams like that. Um, you know, D'Antonio needs to be gone. Izzo needs to be gone. Um, I know these things unfortunately are, are probably happening, at least in some fashion, at Wisconsin and at Iowa. Uh, mm. The only thing that lets me sleep a little bit soundly at night is when it did happen at Iowa to a high-profile basketball player, um, Pierre Pierce did see prison time, and it drove the fan base so against Steve Alford that that was the beginning of the end of his career in Iowa. Um, So hopefully that might mean Iowa woke up a little bit, but, you know, they had their own problems. The athletic director is facing big big trouble for – what he did to a, uh, the female athletic director and firing her and her partner, uh, without cause and basically driving them out of the, the, the school. So he's kind of a pariah too. And it's just, um, you know, it, it's real simple. It's real simple. Uh, do the right thing, but that seems to be the hardest thing to do when money's involved. And it's, it's just disgusting. And quite frankly, the thing that pisses me off the most is when these coaches, you know, Izzo said, "Well, as a father of some daughters, I feel no." As a goddamn human being, you should be disgusted. It's that simple.
1: Yeah, I mean, how of money? I can't, I can't believe mm-hmm. that people actually let this stuff go on, even even in the face of you know big time money. I mean, somebody like Larry Nasser is. You know, I was talking to somebody about it, uh, even in just in the context of U.S. gymnastics. I mean, how, with all of the checks and balances that the IOC has, how it, how is this okay with him being able to take these girls alone in his hotel room and do the treatments? Why, why is it resorting to that? I mean, do, why do they trust him that much? To you know, I think even somebody who doesn't have a whole bunch of allegations against them would be hard to trust in, in a room. I mean, these, you know, these young girls are, uh, you know, they're they're in good fitness, they're very attractive, and you know, at the end of the day, he's a man, and you know, that's got to draw some concern if you're alone in a hotel room with nobody to really hold you accountable for. And you know, it's basically his word versus theirs, and at that and at that time, who's going to believe it? the athlete? You know,
2: and, well, what I think is so outrageous and offensive about the Michigan State thing is this is a good example. Um, you know, coaches talk about Larry Nasser, and I'm talking about what the football and, and basketball teams did covering up player abuse. So, Michigan State has had players that's in their student body on their basketball and football teams harassing, abusing, raping women, fellow students, that's going on. And then one of their team doctors is molesting underage women from the gymnastics team. So Michigan State has had two separate scandals at the same time. And, I mean, like, I i don't get it. I don't get it.
1: I mean, are we... It's, it's unacceptable. You know, I, I mean, it really is. And there's not really much we can say about it because, you know, it's just so, I don't know. I mean, you know, we've never been faced in that situation where there's a lot of money involved and all that stuff. But, I mean, even then, you know, you've got to say, okay, enough's enough. There's people getting raped. We can't sweep this under the rug. We have to do something about it. And the fact that nothing was done about it just makes these people even more despicable. And they're just as despicable as the people that were doing it.
0: I mean, the fact that, you know, the, the role of the NCAA in policing all of this is one that is their jurisdiction is questionable when it comes to different things, but it's still pretty clear about title nine violations and these are all Title IX violations as well, and yeah. so, you know, the the fact that you know uh, um, Mike Wilbon, one of my uh, one of my favorites, you know, likes to call the NCAA Barney Fife, and it's you know it, it's showing to be true yet again here in this case, and it's a real shame, and the fact that so many uh, women have been. Hurt and assaulted and raped and abused in this, uh, you know, and uh, the consequences has been um, basically none for the perpetrators is sickening. So, um, but one of the things that we're going to do this off season is sort of have a, a deeper discussion about not just Michigan State and not just Baylor, but the uh, sort of the larger issue of uh, sexual assault on campus. What are the schools' roles, the NCAA's roles, and all of this? And try to take a deeper dive into. Um, you know, understanding not just like these isolated incidents, but what has led to the systemic corruption of not just these schools, but of every, um, but of the NCAA at large.
2: And Matt, one thing I want to add about this is the freaking athletic director at Baylor who oversaw all this stuff Landed on his feet at Liberty, a supposedly religious evangelical school, because they are trying to make the push to D one for more money. And like, I'm sorry, Liberty, you're, you're a scandal waiting to happen.
1: That's- and I won't. And I won't feel bad if it happens to you. I really won't. And it's it's embarrassing that people of this level. I mean, I understand that sometimes some mistakes are forgivable. Most mistakes are forgivable, um, but not this. I mean, not the the large-scale covering up and scandal of sexual harassment and and things of that nature. You know, it's just a road you can't go down. I mean, it's – I'm ashamed that liberty – I'm ashamed for Liberty that they went down that road. And, but if all the
0: schools to do it, shop. that's actually one of the schools that least surprised me that it would go that route. Because if, if you've read anything about Liberty, it is um, a, a place that I would not want to be affiliated with personally.
1: Yeah. So. I, yeah. And and knowing what I know now about Liberty, I, I didn't know a whole lot about Liberty before they, before they took on such a, such a outstanding human being. <laughs> i uh you know it's something that I think even the state of Virginia should be embarrassed
0: yeah it they absolutely should be uh it's its it's disgusting so anyhow um we are going to uh, put a pin in this discussion uh, until a later show, which I know we've said a couple of times, which is why I really want to, we're going to dedicate an entire show to it um, here in the coming weeks of the off season. So, but before we get to national signing day, uh, talking about some transfers, gentlemen, time for a little pop quiz. Mm-hmm. So uh, get out your slide rules. Um, so today's uh, pop quiz is on topic or on on point, uh, because uh, yesterday was National Signing Day. So, um, and when we're using, by the way, just for those of you out there who haven't listened to us before, whenever we're talking about rankings within, uh, talking about whether it's teams or individual players signing, we always go off of the rivals' rankings. Uh, You know, there are a lot of different uh, places out there, but uh, we are particularly loyal to rivals, as we feel like they do uh, probably the best job uh, out there of, uh, you know analyzing uh, players and classes and being very forthright with you know what they get right and what they miss so
1: and especially and especially the uh the uh, what am I saying here the number uh, the the number of team sites that do a tremendous job
0: yeah they they have some really fantastic team sites out there so um well so gentlemen rivals dot com uh has now has fifteen seasons worth or 16 recruiting classes worth of uh, analysis going back, starting 2002 all the way up through uh, 2019. So gentlemen, during that time, there are 28 different schools that have had a class ranked within the top 10 on Rivals.com, 28 different schools. Your job is to name those 28 schools um as usual three strikes and you're out and we will we started last week with coach so we'll start with josh today
2: so just to clarify these are 28 programs that at some point in the last 15 years have been in the top 10
0: I have had a top 10 uh, recruiting class okay so gotta go with the buckeyes the ohio state buckeyes that is correct their most recent was this year
1: all right uh gotta go with The Trojans. Uh,
0: USC, that is also correct. And, again, this year. Let's go to Tuscaloosa. Bama, you know it. Um, They've pretty much always got a top ten class almost every year. Um, But uh, that is correct, Coach. Clemson. Clemson, also correct. You guys are off to a roaring start out there.
2: Hmm, let's see. I believe they did it uh, last year when uh, they had their big hoopla and
0: the thousand stars or whatever the hell it was. But khaki up at Ann Arbor. Uh, that is correct. They don't have one this year. Oh, let's laugh about it. Uh, but they did. But they did last year. So good job, Josh.
2: <laughs> uh, go
0: screw yourself, Michigan. All right, uh, Florida State. Gators they pulled in uh, no, no, no. Uh, Florida State. Uh, sorry, Florida State. Uh, well, the Knowles pulled in a, a nice class here at the end. Willie Taggart really wrapped some things up there at the end for them. They
1: mm-hmm. finished just inside. The, they finished at number ten in the, mm-hmm. in the rivals uh, team rankings this year. Yep. And I think they had like I think they've had like the number three, four class for like ten years straight.
0: Yeah, they, they they've had a, a top ten class for a while while now.
2: Well, I think inadvertently Perko just gave me a team to select.
0: Uh, I will give you Gators. the Gators, who had a top 10 class last year. Uh, to quote Arrested Development, that was a freebie. Yeah, you can you can say that again. <laughs> Coach. LSU. LSU who is correct? L-S-U um, come in with not with a top 10 class this year, but last year they did. Hmm, let's see. How about all those classes year after year after year that Stoops put up over there at Boomer Sooner? Boomer Sooner at Oklahoma is correct. And they finish in number eight this year. Yup.
1: All right, Coach. All right. Uh, I'm going to go.
0: With the Texas Longhorns. It's the Longhorns. You got it. They are the number four class this year.
1: All right. Mm. Uh,
2: I believe we have somehow skipped over your
0: dogs, Coach. The dogs have not, uh, have not been mentioned yet. That is quite a surprise there, Coach. Especially have...
1: I, thought that, I thought that was in your lead-in. I thought that was part of your lead-in. No,
0: no it was not.
1: <laughs> That's why I didn't say that. I, I swear I heard it in your lead-in. But the,
0: the, the, this year's Georgia class might be – could go on to be one of the best on record. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, okay. you're, you're up, Coach.
1: All right. Well, I can't say the dogs anymore, right? <laughs> uh, Penn State.
0: Pennsylvania State University is correct. They have a number five class this year. <laughs> um Coach Franklin out there doing pretty good on the recruitment trail.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the SEC well again and head over to the plains and cross off the state
0: of Alabama with Auburn. Yeah, it's been a couple of years since Auburn had a top ten class. Last time was back in 2015. But next, nice well, I, I shouldn't say we're done with Alabama. I mean, UAB and South
2: Alabama, they might be creeping up. I don't. Know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the U. So oh nice you, The U. is correct. Number six class. This Mark year, Rick is killing it. Mark Rick Let's is see. definitely up there. Good job, Dylan. You are now halfway there. You have 14 out of 22. Nice. Sorry, um, 14 out of 28.
2: 14 out of 28. Uh so I think uh I think early on in his time, getting a couple quarterbacks, including Josh Rosen, I think UCLA's been up there a couple times.
0: Oh yeah, that is correct. The last time was 2013. Yeah, was that the Rosen class? No, Rosen was two thousand and fifteen. Okay,
1: well, I'm, I'm gonna go with the Fighting Irish.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. Also, look, their last year in the top uh, top ten was two thousand and thirteen, which surprised me. They landed just outside this year at number eleven.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's see, let's see. Uh, one of those Chip Kelly era teams had to have done it up in what,
1: Eugene.
0: Uh yep, 2011 was the last year that they did at Oregon. Nice.
1: All right, I'm gonna go with Texas A&M. Tamu.
0: Nice. Yeah, last year, in fact. Yep. Um, you know, someone someone had them recruiting well. Um, this year's class fell off a little. Still ended up at 16, not terrible. Well, it
2: probably deserves an asterisk, but I believe. One of those Hugh free classes at Ole Miss was in the top ten.
0: Yes. Ole Miss is in multiple top ten classes. Uh, the 2016 class was particularly notable, and that was the last one that appeared in the top ten.
1: Old Mississippi. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to go with Tennessee. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, that is correct. UT back in 2015 had a top 10 class. That was their last time on the board. Gentlemen, well done. There are eight left. Eight left. Eight left. That was when it gets a little tricky. Let's see.
2: Who? I am going to say that at some point along the way, Quite possibly when they nabbed Christian McCaffrey, that Stanford slipped into the top ten.
0: Oh, yeah, that is correct. Their last class in the, was two, in the top ten was 2012.
1: Okay. Well done. All right. Well, uh, I kind of feel like I'm at an uh, advantage here uh, because I work at Rivals.com. <laughs> uh, my second year with the company, uh, a team in the state of North Carolina, finished in the top 10, and I was completely surprised, uh, that would be the Tar Heels.
0: Tar Heels, back mm. in 2009.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm, correct.
1: Nice.
2: Nice. Let's see.
0: You guys, are, you guys are 22 for 22 to start.
2: Yeah. I believe either the class that got him there or the class that came in shortly after when it appeared that the Visor had things going with the Gamecocks. I think South Carolina got it a
0: couple times. Cocky, two thousand and seven was their last time on the top yeah. ten. Well done, uh, Coach. Where was that in relation to their SEC title game trip?
1: <laughs> uh, that was uh, their title game trip was two thousand and ten. So that was that was the it, class
0: that helped get them there. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that the Marshawn Lattimore class? Yes,
1: Lattimore, Connor Shaw, Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. 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 Al Jean Jeffrey, you're going to be pumping gas.
0: Yep. Um, Stephon Gilmore.
1: Yeah. Um, the last time Nebraska was relevant uh,
0: was sometime in the rival era. this was
2: between 2002 and now, not 1987.
0: And now. <laughs> uh, but Coach is still correct, 2005, Nebraska had a top-ten class. I don't
2: care. It was still a good joke to make.
0: Um, okay. Let's see.
2: see. Oh, boy. Four left, four left. We gotta be scraping the bottom of the barrel. Let's think of some teams then that had some decent seasons that were kind of a one off. Let's see. Let's see. I am gonna go with Ooh. Let's see. Way back the pirate got one to Lubbock. What was his highest recruiting class with Texas Tech?
0: Oh, I don't know, but they did not make the top ten. Well, that is a shame. All right, Coach, one strike for Josh.
1: One strike for Josh. I remember being coming out of high school, uh, I, for, for whatever reason, Rivals.com was pretty new. Uh, actually, it was brand new, really. Uh, I started to follow recruiting. I was like, wow, uh, this is kind of cool. And what is the Colorado Buffaloes doing?
0: Coach, that was a fantastic pull. Colorado Buffaloes, two thousand two, their lone appearance on the top ten. Mm. Well done. I tapped into my eighteen-year-old brain. <laughs> I, I want. I, I don't know if I want to know what else is in your eighteen-year-old yeah. brain. but I don't think you do either. Gone. All right, Josh.
2: Mm, let's see. I am going to go with one of those incredible Charlie Weiss classes at Kansas. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. No, a real guess. Um, gosh. Uh, th- they're always kind of sniffing around good seasons, so maybe um, maybe a couple Beamer ball classes there at the end were,
0: were still decent enough for Virginia Tech. Surprisingly enough, Virginia Tech does not have a single appearance on the top ten list. But that's a well, good guess. Well, no poop. Coach. Two strikes.
1: Um, one of the things that I thought was unfair about Sylvester Croom um, was that he didn't actually recruit well. didn't. No have- way.
0: Mississippi State 2003.
1: Okay, Coach is obviously on the
2: website. So I'm just going to do the <laughs> same thing. I'm going to select a random year. All right, let's see what we got for 2011. Uh, well, crap, we've already said all those teams. Um, let's see. Um, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna need a name.
1: I'm playing video games, so I'm not really looking at anything up.
2: Yeah. Um, crap. Let's see. Did um, oh, God, he always had good teams. Maybe, maybe that was because of some good recruiting and not just his system, but.
0: Toronto-West Virginia ever get
2: in there? Ooh, I
0: like that guess. Uh, he did have a couple good classes, but never quite cracked the top ten. Well, poop. <sighs> that is three strikes you are out. Coach, coach, can you name the last two schools? Give me conference. One ACC, one Pac-12. Oh, geez. Okay, Pac-12. So we
1: already said Stanford. We already said Oregon. I can tell you who it's not, and
0: that's Arizona State. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I can tell you who it's not going to be for a long time either.
1: Um, he didn't even finish top ten in his own conference.
0: <laughs> I finished top ten in his own state. <laughs> Northern Arizona coming on strong.
1: Hell yeah! Uh, and then uh, Arizona Western Community College, who's expanding their program
0: in two years, did better. That's a, they, got, they got some beast JUCOs there.
1: Okay, no Glendale, Arizona Western. Uh, okay, so. It's. It, I'm down to Washington and Cal. I know Cal is good in the mid 2000s. I'm, I'm down to Washington and Cal uh, in the Pac 12. Uh, ACC. I'm going to take a freaking stab. Okay. Card.
0: Uh, Cal is the correct answer. By the way, 2005.
1: Oh shit. Okay. I was on the right track. Uh, ACC. Um. I feel like I feel like it wasn't Pitt. Wasn't BC. What wasn't Georgia Tech for? dang sure. We'd be cel- Georgia Tech fans. Would be celebrating if they if they somehow made it into the top thirty. Uh, <laughs> not Wake Forest. I already said UNC. I already said Florida State. I already said Clemson. Uh, Ooh,
2: I might have a guess then. Go for it. Well, I mean, by process of elimination, we've knocked out a lot of schools, but um, I
0: don't know. Maybe Philip Rivers' class. Josh, very well done, sir. North Carolina State. Actually, it's it's going to be post Philip Rivers because Philip Rivers, what was 2004 NFL draft class, I believe. Okay. So
1: Um, so he probably
0: helped. The 2003 NC State class was in the top 10. Nice.
2: What was that coach's name? Like Chuck Amato or something? He wore those weird
0: glasses.
1: He was a former Bowden assistant. And that means he had to wear crazy glasses? Yeah, because Bowden wore the, the prescription Oakleys.
2: But he wore 3D glasses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true. Uh, well, good job, gentlemen. Uh, coach wins today's round of trivia.
2: Ooh, I just checked uh, Chuck Amato. You mentioned he was a former Bowden assistant. Well, he currently is a Bowden assistant again. He's the defensive coordinator at Akron.
0: Yeah. Yeah, nice. Oh, all right. Well, um, let's get into uh, National Signing Day was yesterday. And all the, the fireworks surrounding National Signing Day were not nearly as uh, bright this year because of the early signing day, which happened back in December. However, there was still some movement there uh, on, uh, you know, in and around National Signing Day. Uh, but this year's top class, and quite frankly, uh, one of the best classes in the Rivals era is this year's Georgia class, which is number one. They have Eight five-stars, Coach. Uh, I don't remember a team ever having eight five-stars in one recruiting class before.
1: That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And then they have, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six more that are a tenth of a point away from being a five-star. They're 5.9 rated four-stars. Just oh, my God, just – even on signing day, they, 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 they cease to amaze, you know, it's uh, you know, pulling Quay Walker, pulling uh, damn, all these names, uh, Quay Walker with the, with the hat toss. I, I keep seeing the hat toss there uh, pulling Tommy Bush uh, out of, out of Texas pulling uh, I mean, Trammell Walter from a defensive tackle commit flipping two Bama commits, you know, uh, on signing day, which one of them was uh, Quay Walker. Well, they flipped him from Bama and they, everybody thought he was going to be a lock for Tennessee uh, and and Georgia got him. And then Otis Reese out of Leesburg, Lee County uh, linebacker, uh, uh, another uh, 6.0 four-star um, just, just outstanding. I mean, Uh, You know, where do I start with this? Uh, The the last five-star hauled in was Tyson Campbell out of Plantation, Florida, uh, defensive back, Um, you know, just filling all kinds of needs with dynamic playmakers, so – I mean, this class was a record breaking class. So, you
0: know, everyone's talking about Justin Fields, the quarterback here uh, that, oh. that Georgia pulled in, rightly so. He's an outstanding quarterback. Who do you, though, think is going to be uh, the guy who sees the most meaningful snaps next season from this, from this class?
1: Zamir White. I think it's going to be Zamir White uh, out of the skill position players.
0: Zamir uh, White, the number one r- running back in the country.
1: Yeah, he's, he's far and away. I mean, if you watch his tape, the guy's just, guy just a human highlight reel. He will be an immediate impact. Um, I think on the offensive line, uh, Georgia actually returns uh, three starters on the offensive line. Um, so I think you're going to see uh, getting quite a bit of playing time or, or these interior guys uh, and even probably the center as far as, uh, as, far as offensive line goes. Uh, you'll probably see Cade Mays get in the rotation. Uh, Defensively, um, Tyson Campbell will probably make the biggest impact defensively, the five-star defensive back, 6'2", 175, uh, just a big body out there. Um, And then the rest of the guys, I think a lot of these guys will play. A lot of these guys will be in rotations, but those guys I just named will be the ones that that are the, the impact players
0: year one. All right. All right. Um, well, let's move on. The number two class in the country this year is Ohio state. Um, they, uh, (coughs)
2: Matt, you mispronounced that
0: the Ohio state university, uh, has the number two, has the number two class this year. Um, headlined by a guy that they, uh, got on signing day, uh, Nick Petitfrère, uh, or (laughs) Nick little brother, um, out of Tampa coach. This guy is a, uh, has all the markings of a super athletic offensive lineman.
1: Absolutely, I mean, you know, 6'5", six five, two sixty five.
0: That's the biggest guy. When you know, when it comes, a lot, a lot of, of five star offensive linemen, you see at least at two eighty. So two sixty five is a little bit. He's not as. He's, he's definitely going to be have to bulk up.
1: Yeah, he's going to put. But you know, he, he's he's going to. They're going to put him in the, the off season program when he when he reports in the summer they'll – They'll have plenty of room to to put some stuff. You know, you can't teach the you can't coach the athleticism that Petit Frere brings, um, especially in in their scheme. Their you know their heavy option zone option team. So you're going to need those more athletic offensive linemen, especially the offensive tackles who are going to be expected to uh, block next level linebackers and safeties and do a lot of pulling on the on the second and second and third levels. But uh, so you you want a guy that you know, you feel that has, that has the frame to add 20, 30 pounds and not lose any of the speed, but he's probably uh, footwork-wise, uh, agility-wise, I don't want to say speed-wise, but speed-wise relative to his position group, uh, probably the best athlete
0: at that position. Uh, two other guys I, w- I want to hit on really quick here for this Buckeye class. Uh, first, uh, first one is a guy you are very familiar with, Coach, uh, Master Teague, running back out of Murfreesboro right here just south of Nashville
1: yeah i mean master teague is is extremely dynamic he's he's five eleven six foot i think he's about six foot uh two ten just a just an absolute hammer that can run over you and run by you um he is uh he's as dynamic as they come uh he'll fit right in i'm gonna compare him to uh he kind of reminds me i don't want to say Zeke Elliott but he's kind of like Zeke Elliott in the, in the way that he runs and uh he's kind of like a, if you if you blended Zeke Elliott and Beanie Wells together. You would get Master Teague, and Master Teague is as one of those guys that could be standing in the room with you, and you would have no idea because uh, he's very mild mannered and quiet, and then just plays, and lets his play do the talking, lets his Pats do the talking.
0: Yeah, and then one other guy there for the Buckeyes um, that I, I'm intrigued by is uh, Teron Vincent, who uh, is the son of Troy Vincent, the former, uh, the longtime defensive back in of the NFL who was also head of the players union for a while. Um, you know, Troy Vincent was a D back. His son Toronto, he is a big defensive tackle, about 6'3", 290 and uh he is an absolute beast.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, when when uh when they're scouting these guys, that, you know, I think the Eagles kind of put the blueprint out. You know, how do you stop a spread? Well you get a you get a um uh, a smaller, quicker uh you know a guy that plays defensive end but move him down to the to the three technique and just let him wreak havoc from the inside and that's kind of what what they're getting with teron vincent he is he is every bit of a nightmare as a pass rusher from the interior and he's phenomenal against the run too uh he'll probably his playing weight will probably be 300 305 uh once he finally gets settled in in columbus but I mean the guy's a the guy's an absolute stud. You you don't you don't make it over to IMG Academy and not be a stud, so that goes without saying, but you know, just his explosiveness off the ball and, and how violent he is with his hands and just how good he'll be as an interior pass rush makes him a, a dynamite prospect.
0: Yeah, and uh, Josh, one thing that surprised me though is that Ohio, you know, Ohio State has sort of become D back D back U. Uh, they, they've got they just seem to be cycling in and out defensive backs every every year or two, which you know, considering the history of Ohio State, I think it's a little bit shocking.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that just speaks to Urban Meyer, and you sign twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Amazing recruits it seems like each year Uh, 21 out of their 26 player class is a 4 or 5 star Uh, you know you're going to have attrition you're going to have players transfer you're going to have players leave early to go to the pros and you need a lot of D-backs for having more and more passing offenses even in the Big Ten and so uh, to keep up with the arms race you kind of see Ohio State having more and more D-backs
0: yeah, it's uh in you know I mean the, one of those kids is Tyreek Johnson. Yeah, that kid that that kid is uh, he, he's really long.
1: Mhm.
0: Yeah, he, he he's a guy I like a lot. Uh the third uh, ranked team this year in Rivals top 10 is uh, the USC Trojans, and they closed hard. They got, they got they inked five new guys on signing day, all four- and five-star players, including two uh, five-star defensive backs, both out of Southern California, Elijah Griffin out of Mission Viejo and Isaac Taylor Stewart out of San Diego. Also, uh, what really impressed me, they managed to get the number one wide receiver in the country, Amon Ross St. Brown, the brother of Notre Dame's Equinemius St. Brown. Um Amin Ra uh, you know, from is is a local kid from Santa Ana and uh he should fit right into that uh Trojan passing attack coach.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they got his quarterback, uh, JT Daniels to throw to him. So I mean it it is uh well
0: JT Daniels is uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the country as well.
1: Yeah, he's a six point one five star. So it's it's mm-hmm. uh you know you're a pretty daggum good high school team if you have uh, those two, but um uh, it's impressive. Amon Saint Ra or Amon Raw Saint Brown. Did I get it right?
0: Amon Ra Saint Brown, yeah.
1: Amon Ra Saint Brown. i never Have
0: you have that. have you guys seen anything about their dad? No. He's the he's the football version of LeVar ball. No.
1: <laughs> um well he modern day is probably glad they Got rid of them, but no, um, I was actually, uh, a few of my kids were, were down in my room today, uh, during, uh, you know, our first morning block. And, uh, we were kind of talking about recruiting and, you know, kind of talking about who kind of surprised us. And you know, I was talking about USC and I was talking about Amon St. Ra and Amon Ra St. Brown. Uh, <laughs> I'm never going to get that right. Just, just so, you know, um, guys, a dynamic playmaker. I mean, the guy can stretch the field, uh, he could find creases and make a catch and get some get some yards after the catch. I mean he can do a lot of different things, run a lot of different routes and beat you in a v- variety of different ways i mean i know that 's easy to say about a five star but i mean he 's six one one ninety is uh, not not your prototypical uh, wide receiver these days. you know most of your receivers now that are five stars are coming in about six six three and up uh, but this guy is a, this guy 's electric and he 's going to be uh, I think he's going to kind of make a similar impact that uh, Nelson Aguilar made.
2: Ooh. Yeah, I, I think that's a good comparison. So, Coach, I got a question. Does the rivals' ranking at all take into account the university's needs for their rank, their classes or no? They just do it based on the talent they acquire? They do,
1: yeah, it's basically like quantity, and they have a formula for like a point system almost okay. that, that like, you know, the, well, those rankings add yeah. uh, yeah. in, a, in a formula
2: okay because there's something that caught my eye about usc's class and that's we've had concerns about their offensive line and they signed two guys and that was it and one is the top position center but centers aren't exactly protecting your blind spots so that's a nice signing, but not as impactful as you would have hoped. And the other guy that they got, he's a four-star kid, 15th best offensive tackle. Um, but just for all the issues they had, I, I would have thought that this coaching staff would have acquired a little bit more and, and maybe some players a little bit more splashy than,
1: than what they ended up getting yeah I mean I don't know it's
0: they, it, uh, I believe this is their last class that has uh scholarship restrictions correct yeah so yeah, next, they only signed eighteen yeah next year i th- I would expect them to blow that out a lot more
1: <laughs> and with the with the rivals rankings the way that they are and the formula the way that it is, I'm surprised they finish with a uh number three in the team rankings because normally if you have eighteen commits you're not in the top ten mm-hmm. um, because they take into account you know the Bama's and Clemson, and Ohio State, and you know those teams that are perennially in the top 10, those guys signed 25, 26, 27 kids, and a lot of them are four-stars, and those points add up. And and that's points that USC is not getting with only 18 commits. So, um, uh,
0: I, what, what I can tell you from my understanding is that actually rivals uh, tweaked their rankings for me a little bit last year, this year, uh, where it's the only count that they're only – when when they're coming to ranking the mm-hmm. – the teams are only ranking uh, the team's top 20 recruits from each team.
2: Gotcha. Mm. So that that greatly impacts Army, then, because uh, Army signed 92 players. What? Yeah, they don't have a restriction because you have to play a sport at the military. So Army and Navy are always, always have the most recruits. Mm-hmm. Army, Army has 92 players. Four of them register as three stars.
1: <laughs> yeah, everything, up. <laughs> yeah everything else is below that that's awesome that's funny that's uh, really awesome. total team ranking a <laughs> hundred
2: yeah well if it was based on just a little bit of points for each player army and navy would be our number one and two class yeah
1: you, you want to know one of the biggest surprises What's baylor up? number 32 baylor finished 32nd
0: you're surprised it's that high yeah yeah all right. Well, uh, let's keep it keep it moving from here.
1: Uh, and Arizona State finished above Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, this is this is not the uh, this is not um, Chris's finest recruiting class next year, 2019, shaping up to be um, possibly the best Badger recruiting class of all time. Shaping
1: but, up to be a landé Yeah,
0: <laughs> they've already got the number one offensive tackle in the country next year. So that's not know. bad. That does suck. Yeah, and uh, the guy, uh, guy who's the number seven quarterback right now, but he's rocking up boards. He just got offered by Georgia. In fact, coach. Yeah. Um, so, but that that's next year's show. Uh, today, number four, Texas Longhorns. Uh, Tom Herman making a splash there on the recruiting trail. Um, the only thing I think if if, if there is a, a knock on this class, it's that there's only two kickers. <laughs> <laughs> there's, well there's two kickers. Yeah, one of them's Australian though, so that really doesn't really count. Um, yeah, but and a half kickers. One and a half kickers, but there's there's um, you know there's only one real big name in this class, and that's Caden Stearns, uh, the defensive back out of uh, Chabalo, Texas, uh, which
1: is San Antonio.
0: Yeah, so he uh, uh, Stearns though a real rangy uh, guy. He can I, I see him as kind of a Minka Fitzpatrick, could play corner or safety.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, I, I would I would totally agree with that. He's got a bunch of versatility, and uh, I, I'm I'm impressed with the haul on this one. Uh, as I as I go back and watch his highlights for solidarity.
2: Well, I do want to circle back to their two kickers because one of them is Cameron Dicker, so they have Dicker the kicker. So, uh,
1: and I think they're I think they're vying for a sponsorship from Foster's. So <laughs> Well but, uh,
0: uh for, but with but Kate, Ryan... Stearns,
1: Kate Stearns is a good uh will be good in the, the return game too. I think he'll I think he'll uh vie for a spot there and I think Texas if they're gonna get back in the fold you know this that third phase, and Stearns can be can be that guy.
0: Yeah, and you know for a couple of years there, we saw sort of Texas A and M become the it school in Texas uh, for recruits. Um, even Baylor there for a hot minute, but now it, it seems like with Tom Herman back, uh, Texas has uh, retaken uh, the mantle as the top team in Texas to go to for recruits. Uh, and next. he
1: will, and he will start to dominate Jimbo Fisher. I think he'll recruit circles around Jimbo Fisher
0: yeah uh Jimbo did okay this year, uh, closing all things considered.
1: he did he did I- I'll give him credit,
0: but um uh next though, we're going to head to Penn State, um, which uh, started this class at their first recruit um, recruited back uh, who was signed or uh, verbal back in August of two thousand sixteen as uh, their number one recruit, and that is a big physical receiver in just shorter. This is uh coach this is a kid who is a prototype five star wide receiver.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's you know I don't know how uh, I don't know how much more like a like a five star receiver you can get. I mean, it's, I mean, the,
0: I mean, he already looks like he's Calvin Johnson. I know.
1: I mean, the, the kid is outstanding. I mean, it's I, I don't know how to describe him by by you know without saying all the obvious things about him, but you know, it just it's going to be exciting. You know, he's big, uh, he's
0: fast, he's physical, um, and he exactly. you know, and I think that uh it wouldn't surprise me to see him get on the field and, and be a be a big factor as a true freshman because that's a team that's losing a, uh, some some of their top receivers.
1: Oh yeah, I mean somebody's got to pick up the playmaker mantle from uh Saquon Barkley and you know this is somebody that can definitely add a di- add a dimension to their uh to their passing game. I mean just just watching this guy eat poor uh New Jersey defensive backs alive. I mean it's 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 kind of sad, really. Yeah,
0: which also reminds me, though, uh, with losing Barkley, there's going to be some time in the running in the backfield opening up. Uh, Ricky Slade out of Woodbridge, Virginia is a, is a really su- is a really started running back. A smaller guy, um, definitely not going to be the pound between the tackle site, but I could see him uh, working as a running back and especially as a receiver whether it's out of the backfield or in the slot for them as well. Josh, you'll appreciate this though. Uh, Penn State got a kicker, too. You know where he's from? <laughs> Oh God, I hope. hope Australia. Ankeny, Iowa. Eh, Iowa's got a bunch of good kickers. Where is Where is Ankeny, Iowa? Ankeny, I uh, believe it is the uh, western half of the state. All right. Well, why didn't you go to Ames? And then why? Well, that's an Iowa
2: state territory. <laughs> double checking that so the good people of Ankeny uh hopefully I don't lose my Iowa citizenship
0: card yeah uh one other guy that we talk about in this class though coach uh Micah Parsons uh the big linebacker love him I was, I was about to
1: I was about to uh interject and talk about Michael Parsons I mean that guy is uh there was so much in the air about where he was going to land uh Clemson and it seemed like Clemson and Bama were uh the, the front runners for a long long time uh you know, even you know, even amid all the rumors that he was guaranteed to go to Penn State, um, it, it was. Uh, I think Penn State got a tremendous haul right here at the linebacker position. He is going to be an impact player. For but
0: sure. um, if i if I'm not mistaken, uh, didn't Georgia flip a, a Penn State player pretty late in the process? Yeah, uh,
1: Justin Fields actually. Uh, mm, yeah. of Justin Fields. Yeah, he, he was uh, he was a Penn State commit early on actually, and they flipped him. Uh, back in right before the early signing period actually yeah. they flipped him but and and they were thinking uh they were thinking Georgia was going to be the dark horse in the Micah Parsons race because of his relationship with Justin Fields but you know Micah Parsons uh again uh, announcing that he was uh that Penn State was his was his home uh he signed in the early signing period and he might actually I'm not – I'll have to double check on this, but he might actually be an early enrollee. But 6'3", 245, I mean, good God almighty. Uh, this guy is going to be uh, an absolute stud. Uh, I'm glad he's in the Big Ten um, if he's not with Georgia. And uh, I'm glad that you guys have to deal with him up there.
0: Well, uh, well the, next... the
2: last thing I do want to say about Penn State is probably someone's looking at their recruiting going, "Whoa, we got." One quarterback It's a three-star kid. Uh, clearly Franklin sees Sean Clifford, the four-star kid from last year's class, or, or, or Jake Zambiak is the future once Chris McCoy finishes up after this last season.
0: Well, especially when fields flip so late in the process that it, yeah. it doesn't really leave them open. It, it, exactly, but I, I just think that that probably played a factor in him flipping as well. Yeah, true. Um, Well, then let's head down to the the Canes, who come in at number six. Um, The Canes have uh, a couple big names in the class, Mark Pope being one of them, but uh, the other one is the the number two running back in the country this year, uh, and that is Lorenzo Lingard, who is out of Orange City, Florida. So, um, Coach, tell me a little bit about Lingard. How does he stack up to Zamir White, who is the number one back in the country?
1: I mean, you know, it's 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 a tough comparison because uh, I think that Zamir White is, you know, a head and shoulders above even.
0: So this is this isn't last year where we we had we had well, last year there were a couple guys with uh, Najee Harris. And um, you know, uh, as well. That's Najee
1: Harris, Cam Akers, and DeAndre Swift were the yeah, top three last year. Top three, they
0: were all sort of, you know, neck and neck with each other. Maybe Harris yeah. and the hair above the rest of them, but you know, it was all pretty quick, but uh, you know, pretty close. But this year, it seems to be pretty cut and dry that uh, that Zamir White's the guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's you know, and that's no knock to to Lingard, but um, uh, you know, I, I think it's just one of those things where you have a guy that's just so head and shoulders above talented than than the rest. Now, you know, Lindgar might be in a pretty good situation and he might actually have maybe a bigger impact um, mm-hmm. somehow uh, because he may not. Be-
0: well, because he won't have to put the snaps with DeAndre Swift and Elijah Holyfield and, you know, and the rest of those guys down there in the stable of backs you guys have in, in Athens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, uh, you know, I, I just think that, you know, when when you look at these guys, uh, you know, they're both, I guess, similar in stature, um, but you know, Lingard brings a whole lot to the table as well. I mean, you know, but I just think you know it's hard to bet against uh, Zemir White in this in this situation. And I'm taking all bias out of it, and I, I guarantee you, if you if you you know if you looked at them both, they you would
0: be able to tell. Yeah. Um, one other guy I think that, uh, that I, I really noticed that it really pops for me on tape watching him for this class uh, is Al Blades, the corner um, that Miami has signed um, out of St. Thomas Aquinas, the powerhouse school down there in Fort Lauderdale uh, uh-huh. that produces so many kids every year. Uh, but he, he, you know, he is a, he, he's a guy who I think is going to come in and has a chance to see the field early, both at, uh, at corner and in the return game.
1: Yeah. Uh he's the I can't keep counting now, but he he's like the the last of the, the Blades family that that's gonna make a big impact. Uh down at the down at the U. Uh I think the most recent blades uh after Al was uh I guess. Um was it Will? no. It was it, whoever it was whichever blades was on the uh 2001 Miami team um, it was probably was probably regarded as one of the craziest people in college football but um, you know Al Blades Jr. comes in uh, I mean it, it was I mean it wasn't really much of a race you, you knew from day one he was probably uh, despite all the hoopla on, despite what might have been said or what might might have gone on you knew far and away he was going to Miami without a doubt if they offered they did. Um, he's going to be one of those just blanket corners. Six foot, one seventy. The cornerback position is starting to trend taller now, and you're starting to see taller, more physical guys. And and he's definitely got that. And, and he is. Uh, he's quite a competitor too. So I I, I love this signing. I think he's going to be a major impact on that defense. A defense that needs a little bit of swagger, and he's definitely got that.
0: Uh, coach just remember you just mentioned though that uh two thousand and one uh Canes football team. Uh take a guess, guys. Uh how many players from that two thousand and one team were drafted in the NFL? Thirty-five. Josh?
2: Mm,
0: Forty even. Uh Josh, a little bit closer. Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight guys. Woo. That is but if we're doing prices right, rules he went over. He did go out He did. Go yeah, away. it's incredible to think that they finished five
2: and six that year
1: too. Didn't they have seven? Was seventeen of them? Seventeen of that number drafted in the first round.
0: That is in fact exactly seventeen of them were. Um,
1: this was also part of the conversation that I was having with the same kid when we were talking about uh, USC signing class. We were also talking about one of the the greatest team ever assembled. And,
0: uh, yeah. And hey, even Ken Dorsey got drafted, seventh round, number 241. Hey, now, I think,
1: think... – Now looking for a job in the NFL as a quarterback's coach. Mm-hmm. Hey, I think he would have been just fine if he had gone anywhere other than Cleveland.
0: <laughs> you could say that about anyone for the past 20 years. Yeah. All right. Um, surprisingly low this year, only number seven are the uh, reigning national champs, Alabama. Still, however, um, they still managed to pull in um, uh, uh, two new five stars on signing day, Um, the biggest one being Patrick Sertan, um, who, a name you might remember because his father was a corner for um, the Dolphins, among other teams, for a long time in the NFL. Uh, He's the number one corner in the country this year. Uh, according to Rivals, uh, the number eight player in the country overall. Um, He plays at that other powerhouse down there, American Heritage in Plantation, Florida. Uh, He's a special, special talent out there at corner, isn't he, Coach?
1: Yeah, he really is. I mean, he's an impact player. He's a a guy that's not going to make you feel so bad about losing Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, But, you know, when you look at this class, Uh, The the, the biggest thing for for Alabama, and this is probably uh, just tells you that, you know, just kind of where they are in the college football world, is that they are disappointed. And and the biggest story from the Alabama recruiting class is not who they signed and not Patrick Sertain, but who they didn't sign in Quay Walker and uh, Otis Reese and – you know some of some of the other guys that got flipped by other schools. You know they, they, also don't, have, they
0: also don't have a quarterback in this class.
1: Yeah, which is which is odd,
0: but yeah. you know what? You know what, what do I know? You know it's Alabama. We know we know they'll be good.
2: I um, mean, this I don't want to bring up a painful memory, coach, but I think you saw all the youth on the field in that national title game.
1: Yeah, they're going to be around for, yeah. for just a little while. Yeah, uh, just a little while longer, at least until. Nick Saban retires and they hire somebody that can't live up to the pressure of Saban and the bear talking about pressure. Good Lord.
2: Um, Lane Kiffin's ready for it.
1: (laughs) Oh Lord. Lane Kiffin. Well, that would, that would be entertainment.
0: Well, uh, guys um, let's head then to uh, number eight, which is Clemson. Clemson has, um, the number one crew in the country in quarterback Trevor Lawrence uh out of Sunshine.
2: Old-
0: Yeah, uh if anyone has of uh, you listening has ever seen Remember the Titans, and if you're listening to this podcast and haven't seen Remember the Titans, I am quite astonished. But uh Trevor Lawrence is a spitting image of uh Sunshine from uh Remember the Titans. And he I mean this kid can sling it like few that I have seen.
1: Yeah, and uh he is uh, – this is one of the – we were talking about last year's running backs class, which was just a razor's edge of, of difference in uh, how you evaluated. And uh, it was really like who, who you thought was a better running back was actually based on what kind of impact they were going to make for their team. And DeAndre Swift, I guess, ended up being the best running back out of that class after their freshman year. Uh, it remains to be seen, you know, time will tell, who truly is the best – running back out of that class. But DeAndre Swift had made the most impact up to this point. Uh, that's not to say Najee Harris won't make a huge impact next year and Cam Akers will do the same at Florida State. But, you know, I think when you look at this year's quarterback class with uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and then you can even throw in JT Daniels in that mix too, it's a free, it's a razor's edge difference in, in talent-wise uh, what they can do. You know, Trevor Lawrence is more of a uh, – can run if he needs to, but has, a, has an accurate rifle. And, uh, and then, you know, Justin Fields is that dynamic athlete, and JT Daniels is, again, uh, a big guy that can, that can move if, if he has to and, and pick you apart. So uh, very impressive with, with Trevor Lawrence. Thought he was far and away the best quarterback in this class. Uh, for a long time until the other two caught up a little bit. But, you know, you can't – you know, you can't teach 6'5". You can't teach 220. Uh, even though he looks – even though he appears lanky, he's still two 220. or Actually, no, he's not 220. He's 200. Uh, still pretty lanky. But uh, just going to be – Clemson and Georgia both have a really good problem, and that's what are they going to do at the quarterback position –
2: could uh, Clemson face a little bit like what Alabama had with Tua and Hurts? Because I mean, Bryant had a really nice season, but I think we think of him more as like a athletic runner who can pass a little bit, whereas obviously it's the opposite of. I,
1: I think you are going to have exactly that situation. You know, Trevor Lawrence is going to. You know, I, I think I hate to see this um, because it very rarely works. But in today's game, it might work better than it used to. But you might start to see these teams go with two quarterback systems. Uh, you know, you might have a package of plays for Trevor Lawrence. You might have a package of plays for Kelly Bryant. And then, you know, you you kind of trot them both out there. And then if one of them gets hot, you stick with them. Uh, well,
2: if that happens, you know who's coming back to coaching.
1: The old ball coach, baby. Oh, he's going to love it. He'll be like, well, I, you know, I, this, this ain't Doug
0: Peterson and uh, Jesse Palmer, but I'll take it. <laughs> um i can call small plays with these guys uh clemson small class this year only consigned 17 guys but did have six four stars sorry six five stars there in the mix including trevor lawrence obviously um uh, a couple really good wide receivers as well in justin ross and uh Dion kendrick um but the one guy the one guy that i love for them um is jackson carmen uh, Jackson Carmen is an absolute mauler with a mean streak. Uh, they pulled him out of Ohio. He was considered to be a strong Ohio State lean for a long time, um, but they uh, they signed him on the early signing day, and I thought that was a coup for uh, for their offensive line. They're gonna he's a guy who I think is going to come in and start from day one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, he's you said everything that I was going to say, so I don't need to repeat it, but. Uh, he's going to make an immediate impact. The guy that I really love is KJ Henry out of uh, Clemens, North Carolina. Six five, five star defensive end. Just,
0: I mean, just raises all kinds of
1: hell. And, and um, he'll
0: and he'll get to uh, sort of uh, learn from the best because they're bringing back that entire uh, front seven from last year.
1: Absolutely, and that's a tremendous situation. Uh, so he'll he, be a, he'll, he'll be a rotational be, guy.
0: Yeah, he'll be a situational um, pass rusher his freshman year for sure.
1: Yeah, but he, he's going to turn into a the dynamic defensive line playmaker, uh, KJ Henry, uh, I don't want to make this, uh, too early prediction, but I guess I'll make this too early prediction. Uh, he's a Sunday player for sure. Um, not that I'm going out on a limb very much, but, uh, KJ Henry is going to be, uh, he's one of my favorite in, in, in this class. Uh, and then, uh, then you got to look at Justin Ross, uh, who's actually their best, looks like and unless they're doing it by alphabetical, but he's listed above Trevor Trevor Lawrence. But
0: he's you know close no, 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 he's signed most recently, that's all.
1: Yeah, you're right. But uh six four, one ninety five receiver out of Phoenix City, Alabama, just on the Georgia, Georgia border there, uh, in Alabama. Uh, a kid that's just a, a big target uh, going to be uh, somebody that can uh, that can be a safe or I don't know safety valve but somebody that that Trevor Lawrence will form a really good relationship with uh, in the future, or Kelly Bryant, or both, uh, if the old ball coaches call them ball place. But uh, I, I really like this
0: class a lot. Yeah. Um, let's head down then. They
1: also signed a kicker.
0: Um, <laughs> let's head down then to. Uh, Gotta be sound in the kicking game. Nor- to Norman, um, where the Sooners. Oklahoma. Uh, they've signed 22 players. Um, only all of them five- kickers. <laughs> only one five-star among them.
1: No, they did not all kickers. They signed a long snapper. Um,
0: <laughs> only one kicker. Oh, only one kicker. Only one uh, five-star <laughs> among them, and that is uh, the number two corner in the country, Brendan Radley-Hiles. Um, he is out of IMG Academy, uh, the finishing school for uh, for all uh, college football players, it seems that seems
2: like a meaningless signing in the Big Twelve.
0: Yeah, um, what what really interests me though about this Oklahoma class is uh, that they got some they got some hosses on the offensive line. They have uh, they have three guys um, in uh, they they have three guys in Daryl Simpson uh who's six seven three ten, Tremonda Moore, six six, three thirty, and uh Bray Walker, six six, three twenty, who uh could be uh, you know, anchors for years to come there on uh uh for uh Coach Riley there in Norman.
1: Yeah, I mean when I look at Bray Walker, he he's just uh he's a more athletic version of uh orlando brown i mean the guy is enormous and, and has tremendous feet and <laughs> he's going to be an exciting one to watch for so sure. is, so is tremonda more
0: that kid's going to be a road grader
1: oh yeah absolutely and, and for what for what oklahoma does you know you you see all these rpos and that's something we're going to break down this offseason as well uh so i look forward to actually doing that for y'all but uh, Oklahoma, is, was, as far as the RPO game goes and as far as the spread, spread attack goes, they were one of my favorite teams to watch uh, except for one particular game. Uh, I wasn't a fan. I wasn't, you know, too enthralled with what they were doing. I was focused on hoping we'd get some stops. But um, nonetheless, if you look at it objectively, they are fun to watch. And, and uh, they have dedicated themselves to having a premier offensive line it looks like they are going to be for real. Lincoln Riley is the real deal, and he's going to be around for a while. And uh, great signing class, great job filling needs up front. They, you know, it's just one of those things that you know you, you look at all the, the the flashy skill guys and the DBs and the you know, but you know, very rarely do people pay attention to the offensive line commits. I know Matt, you're a, you're a former Hog yourself, so. Um, not surprised that you know you're, you're featuring these guys, and I'm glad that you are. Um, but they've got two great tackles here in Tremonda Moore and uh, Bray Walker, um, as I just uh, the aforementioned Bray Walker. So uh, very impressive class for Oklahoma. Surprised it was only the ninth the ninth best class, but. Uh, they got a lot of what they needed, so the impact of this class will will pay huge dividends.
0: Yeah, and they got they got they got a, a fair amount of bodies there for the defensive line as well.
1: And so. Tremonda Moore is a is a JUCO kid uh, coming out of Independence. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so next, uh, finally. Um, uh, Clemson, and Oklahoma were tied at eight, so number ten is Florida State. Um, Willie Taggart with um, a late push get uh getting basically six guys uh, to sign on on uh, here on signing day and also managed uh, to get um you know the, the the big guy that he got after he took that job was uh, Jaden Woodbay the um, the safety out of uh, St. John Bosco, the uh, powerhouse in Southern California, out there in Bellflower, he's considered the number three safety in the country. Um, Six two two zero five, and can really lay some wood.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That kid is that kid is amazing. Uh, you know, I'm, I have an, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm the resident offensive coordinator, as as you guys know, uh, as you. Uh, Dedicated listeners know um, that is me, the resident the resident offensive coordinator, uh, and we're sponsored by Farmers, apparently. Um, <laughs> we are Farmers. Farmers, please send us a check, uh, 713, you know, the rest. Um, <laughs> no, um, as much as I'm the resident offensive coordinator, I do – one of my favorite positions to watch and evaluate are the safeties. You know, as an offensive coordinator, that's probably – uh, the position, one of the positions I look at the most, actually, uh, to kind of see what those guys do. Those are the most active people on defense besides...
2: The thing I've liked most about New Five...
1: Ooh, I'm going to turn the volume down on that. <laughs> apparently yes, not. Apparently not. Um, but uh, the thing I look at the most when I evaluate other teams is I, I look at their safeties and I look at their inside linebackers. I kind of I draw that tunnel down the middle of the defense and just kind of look at... Uh, I, I go from the top down and look at safeties, uh, inside linebackers, and defensive tackles. Those are probably the most important pieces to your defense as far as evaluating what they do because those guys really kind of unlock, uh, unlock the scheme. But um, I digress. I talk about scheme. But Jalen Woodby is one of those guys that will give you nightmares if you're trying to break down the defense because not only can he cover, not only can he cover a lot of ground, uh, he can play a variety of different coverages. He can be a box guy. He can be a, a he can play a deep half. He can play a deep quarter. He can lock up on a slot receiver, or he could come in and kill your running back at the line of scrimmage. And
0: honestly, I, I see him coming in and just basically they're saying, "Oh, here was German James' responsibilities last year. Go like okay. that, have at it." Have at it. Yeah, he's going to do it. Also, uh, continuing with the trend of uh, sons of former NFL defensive backs, uh, (laughs) they also uh, signed Asante Samuel. Yeah,
2: I wanted to to talk about that. you know, uh,
0: Florida State, their top
2: three in terms of uh, ranking recruits all in the defensive backfield, that's going to be intriguing, you know, uh, loaning up on their pass defense and – and then number
1: 4 was was a linebacker, Amari Gaynor.
2: Yeah. Um AJ Lighton, a kid uh, out of Maryland that basically the entire Big 10 wanted. Um and Maryland had to have felt that they had a little bit of home field advantage, but you know, he picked uh he picked Florida State and that's going to be it's going to be an interesting pass defense now and seems like uh it's going to be a good thing for the ACC, you see where that league is going they're not quite there to the Big 12 or the Pac 12 but they seem like they're trending more and more pass heavy what
0: worries the,
1: me the ACC, the ACC is a is a uh, is is what the Big 12 wants to be um, lots of offense and they play enough they play a little bit of defense in the ACC which is which is fun
0: to watch yeah well so what would worry me though if i am a Knowles fan is that Uh, their offensive line this past year was not fantastic, and they are not really helping themselves at all with this recruiting class, bringing two offensive linemen, neither of whom are terribly, you know, uh, terribly well-regarded. They got three. Three, uh, uh, Christian Meadows, Jalen Goss, um, and And, and Christian Armstrong. Uh, Christian Armstrong's probably the best of the bunch, um, but – Again, I don't think you see any of these guys coming in and having an instant impact. And one of the things that we saw this year, especially um, after DeAndre Francois went down, is that they couldn't uh, open consistent running lanes uh, for uh, whether it was Cam Akers, whoever was in the backfield, and that really sort of uh, did not help their offense.
1: Well, I think what I think what's going to happen now, I think I think with the the coaching shift and what Taggart brings to the table, scheme wise. I think that's how they're going to help themselves out. They're going to open things up more. I think Jimbo was kind of more of a, uh, you know, you hear, you hear the the term pro style and uh, you think, oh, well, it's just kind of boring offense. But, I mean, really, it, it kind of was. It was kind of like what the NFL was, you know, up until last year where it was just everybody was doing the exact same thing uh, from the exact same formations, and, and it came down to, what, did, did I draft better than you? Uh, that, that was the NFL for a long time. And uh, that's the template that Jimbo Fisher was using down at Florida State. And uh, he got by on, a fa- on the fact that 95% of the time he recruited better than his opponent did. And the one year that, that didn't come to fruition was this year when in the first game uh, all his weaknesses and his weaknesses in a scheme were exposed And the offensive line was put out, uh, I guess, on an island or however you want to describe it. They were just exposed in how, you know, how much they didn't fit that scheme. Now, Willie Taggart is a spread guy, and he's not going to ask as much of his offensive lineman. He's not going to ask the same things out of his offensive lineman that Jimbo Fisher and his staff were. So um, it remains to be seen what kind of impact these guys can actually have. Maybe, Maybe, you know, albeit not highly recruited guys, or not recruited, but not highly rated guys, but guys that kind of fit a, fit a system and could be stopgaps for, you know, Willie Taggart in, uh, in a transitional year um, can, can provide a little bit of depth maybe and then, you know, set up Willie Taggart's first full recruiting cycle, which will be um, the, the class of 2019. So, albeit not impressive on paper, we just don't know exactly how well they're going to fit into his scheme. They might be a great fit. They might not. Uh, that's that's the part of the inexact science that recruiting has become. But uh, Florida State's going to have a way more dynamic offense this year. It's going to be a completely different attack um, from those guys. And uh, just watch some Oregon film last year. Oregon wasn't incredibly uh, – they were kind of low on talent, lowest they'd ever been, really. Uh, so – Uh, it's not a good representation, but if you look kind of deeper past the personnel and just kind of what they were doing, you put, you put Florida State type athletes in that system and it becomes a lot more impressive or a lot more attractive.
0: All right, well, we're out of the top ten, but uh, Josh, as an Iowa fan, I feel like we need to talk about Iowa quickly. Um, Oh, yeah, I
2: was prepared to talk about Wisconsin and
0: Iowa. All right, well, let's talk Iowa first. Um, Iowa actually uh, gets themselves a solid quarterback in Spencer Petras out of the Bay Area, Uh, Marin Catholic, Catholic, number 12 pro-style quarterback in the country. Um, What really impressed me, though, last year you guys hit a home run with A.J. Attena, big defensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had another great defensive end this year. This uh, this time out of Des Moines and John Wagoner, uh he's a kid who's already a specimen at six five, two fifty, uh probably gonna come in and uh pro- try to make an impact like uh like a did last year. Also yeah. also uh they also uh Iowa this year Uh, pulling a bunch of kids out of the state of Wisconsin. Um, Mm, Most notably, though, uh, a guy that I would be really intrigued by if I'm a Hawkeye fan, uh, Jack Plum. He's listed as a tight end. He's 6'8", 250, definitely going to grow into (laughs) an offensive tackle. Um, He's a kid who's also a freak athlete. Uh, I was very disappointed when the Badgers uh, did not uh, not really go after him, and he ended up signing with Iowa, and I think that is going to be uh, one that they very, very – a heavily regret, requ- uh, heavily regret going forward. So
2: yeah, so uh, talking about Iowa's class, you have on a lot of good stuff. Uh, their best player in terms of the rival rankings, a safety, uh, Dallas Craddath out of Missouri, uh, twenty sixth best safety. Um, but Iowa has been developing their their secondary players really, really well. So it's going to be intriguing to see. Here's one already with a little bit of pedigree as a four star. I actually he think grows that, up
0: that Julius, Julius Brent is actually probably the better. Him and Credit are both very good, but I think Julius in yeah. Indianapolis is going to a kid is going to come in and uh, could play from day one.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what how this all shakes out. Uh, Iowa, you mentioned Spencer Petrus. We see the impact already um, of Ken O'Keefe. I'm sure some people are chuckling a little bit, but Iowa's offense, when he was the offensive coordinator, just looked better. Uh, The stats don't always back that up because actually they had some positive years uh, with now shall not be named. And then this year they actually had one of their best passing years statistically, but it just looks so perky-jerky. But Ken O'Keefe – Uh, has a pedigree as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Right now, he's just being the quarterback's coach he recruited. Petrus, it's it's really, really intriguing to see what O'Keefe does with him. You look at some of his other players that he coached, uh, most notably for me, at least as a homer, was Brent Banks. Um, He mentioned uh, Julius Brent, Matt, uh, the the kid out of Indianapolis. I won't go on him. And then the number one recruit in the state of Iowa. You mentioned him, Wagoner, getting him out of Des Moines. Always nice for Iowa to, to lock down this Hawkeye State. But, uh, Coach, question for you. I don't know if you know anything about him, but uh, Iowa pulled a three-star kid out of Sawney, Georgia, uh, Jaden McDonald. What's the what's the story on this linebacker?
1: Well, uh, Swanny, uh, Georgia, he's, uh, I believe, he is a North Quinnette. Guy, he's six one two ten. I mean, North Gwinnett was the state champions this year um, in the state of Georgia. My cousin was there, but um, again, I mean, he, he's a guy that you know could play. Uh, he's a very versatile kid. Uh, tremendous talent. Um, it was a really tremendous talent year for for them. He's extremely physical. Uh, loves to hit. Uh, kind of plays that outside linebacker in, in their uh, in their four three over scheme. He's a good pass rusher. Um, very, very physical. Loves contact was probably his biggest, biggest quality. But he can uh, he can also cover. He's a great. Sounds a little bit uh, like
2: Josie Jewell in terms of.
1: Yeah, enjoying I, I think, the contact. Yeah, I, I think he'll make that kind of impact. He's a little short at six one though. Uh, that kind of worries me about his height. But you know, he he plays like he's six three two fifty. Just kind of has that chip on his shoulder, and 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 really, if, if you go and, and really break down his highlights, he is. He seems to always kind of find the ball. He's a turnover machine, so uh, I think I think fans will, will really really enjoy.
0: Definitely. Well, uh, let's uh, finally then turn to uh, my Badgers really quick. Um, only Matt I, Matt, I don't know what you're going to jump, up, what you're going to say, but can I tell
2: you what jumped out at me? What's that? The height of some of these players. Uh, Boyd Dietz six 6'3", defensive and a 6'4", linebacker in C.J. Goats, a uh, 6'6", defensive tackle in Isaiah Mullins, and a 6'5", D.E. in Cormac Samson. At the very least, they're going to be
0: batting down a lot of balls at the line of scrimmage. Well, actually, so the guys, yeah, uh, Mason Platter and C.J. Goetz are uh, two linebackers, both going to be outside linebackers. In uh, you know, in that uh, Badger three-four system, are going to be great. They're both about six-four, six-five, two thirty. Um, uh, the uh the guy though that you just mentioned, in fact, uh, Cormac Sampson, he's actually going to be playing tight end for the Badgers, not defensive end where he's listed. Ah, Interesting. Yeah, and uh, him and Jalen Franklin, who's listed as an athlete at 6'4", is also going to be playing tight end. Isaiah Mullins, though, this kid is 6'6", 280. Not the highest-ranked kid, but you watch his tape. And, uh, you know, for a guy that size on the defensive line, he can move pretty well. Uh, uh, the jewel of this class for the Badgers is linebacker Jack Sanborn, a guy that yep. Coach and I have been on for a long time. Uh, he is, uh, uh, for, those of, uh, for those Badger fans out there, he's going to remind you a lot of someone like Mike Taylor. Mm-hmm. Just a really sturdy middle linebacker who's going to make, uh, you know, who's going to make every tackle. But um, actually uh, my wife's cousin uh, is his, uh, is his position, is his position coach there in Lake Zurich, Illinois. And uh, as much as he raves about Jack and says he's a great player, his little brother who is just a freshman this year is already apparently bigger and faster and stronger than him. So, uh, and this is a Lake Zurich team that uh, went to the state title game in Illinois uh, and you know, lost a heartbreaker, but uh, it's, it's a really great program. And Jack Sanborn is going to be a, a definite player for the Badgers going forward. The guy, though, that I'm most curious about for the Badgers um, in this class is a kid named Isaac garrendo out of Avon, Indiana.
1: You mean? You mean it's not the Clamp captain, Dante Burton, <laughs> my cousin? He's <laughs>
0: um, the Clamp captain. The Clamp captain.
1: Yeah, that's, um, his, that's his nickname on huddle if you if you yeah wondering. um
0: no isaac Rendo, uh he ran the fastest uh, electric time 40 uh this year at um at the Notre dame camp and he uh you know he al- was already running an electrically time 40 uh in the four threes and he's going to have the kind of speed that we have not seen at wisconsin in a very long time um, the
1: speed I'm, I'm i'm digging aaron crookshake Oh, Eric,
0: Aaron, Aaron Cruikshank.
1: Aaron Cruikshank. Krunkshank. I'm going
0: to call him Crunk.
1: Aaron Crunkshake, he, because he's crunk. Uh, out of Brooklyn. Uh, Matt, you and I have kind of watched his highlights. Yeah. I, I'm out he, and he, raved he's got some weight over. on yeah, just Yeah, just raved over just how slippery and elusive he is and just how, like, it just seems like it. When you watch him, it doesn't really seem like he's moving all that fast, and all of a sudden, there's a just this huge gap between him and a defender, and it's tremendous. It's, it's unlike anything I've seen. He's just so smooth.
0: Yeah, um, actually, uh, a guy that he, uh, a guy that he really reminds me of is uh, Josh Jacobs, running back for Alabama, um, who is a sophomore this year, but just super slippery back um, out of. Uh, mm-hmm who was originally out of Oklahoma, but um, who like Crookshank was a, a quarterback in high school. Crunk, crunk, crunkshank. <laughs> crunkshank was a was crunk-shank. quarterback in high school. So um, but coach, are there any other guys out there that you think are really good fits on their teams that we have not talked about or any um, you know or, or any teams that you thought either did surprisingly well or surprisingly poorly?
1: Surprisingly well I thought uh, Washington did surprisingly well. I thought South Carolina did surprisingly well. I thought Florida did surprisingly bad. The story, the biggest storyline from Florida's recruiting class is the fact that um, the kid's mother, uh, Jacob Copeland, uh, was, 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 was not thrilled with his uh, with his decision. But albeit they, they got a pretty good class, a uh, decent class in Dan Mullen's first uh, offseason there. South Carolina. Uh, I was pretty impressed with them. Ricky Sandage is probably uh, their well, – actually is their best guy, a kid out of Concord, North Carolina, a kid that everybody was, was after. Uh, kind of really pulled pulled him out from uh, from under Georgia. And uh, a tremendous defensive tackle, 6'5", 263. Kind of one of – more of those, you know, speed rushing, three-technique types that it's going to put a little bit more on his frame. You know, you're, you're starting to see these defensive tackles uh, – sitting more at 285 now, uh, coming into the league, uh, versus those big giant, you know, 330 pound, uh, hole cloggers. But, uh, you know, and then, you know, a couple, you know, three big offensive linemen, uh, signees, Maxwell Ayama from Murfreesboro Siegel high school, 6'6", 280, tremendous athleticism has a frame to put more, to put more on him. So, I'm uh, Impressed with South Carolina with what they were able to haul, uh, considering the season they had, they did they did pretty well. Uh, Nebraska coming in at number twenty-one uh, in Scott Frost' first year, um, as bad and putrid as they've been last uh, in the Mike Riley era, a uh, uh, very short-lived Mike Riley era. <laughs> um, Scott Frost came in uh, in the middle of a uh, a New Year Six campaign. I uh, was able to get Adrian Martinez at quarterback. Uh, kind of a guy that he can groom um, at that position. They signed a kicker out of Hoover, um, and they signed Caleb Tanner out of Lithonia, Georgia, a linebacker 6'3", 235, inside linebacker. That's going to be, of course, extremely physical. A lot of people – a lot of linebackers in the Atlanta area seem to kind of fit that same mold there. Um, Michigan was one that surprised me. I thought they would do a lot better than they did. Uh, North Carolina is one of those that – I thought could have done a lot better, but also kind of surprised with what they were able to pull William Barnes out of Apopka, Florida. I saw him at an MPA showcase. Uh, he traveled all the way up from Apopka, Florida to participate in a, in a, uh, in a showcase. Ends up signing with uh, the University of <laughs> North Carolina.
0: Um, um, well, one team though, that I want to say, uh, uh, Coach GQ, GQ. Uh, well, I mean, I know Lubbock's a t- tough place to recruit to, but yeah. Texas Tech, uh, the worst Power 5 class in the country this year, they come in at 79th behind such recruiting luminaries um, as Florida International, Toledo, and Louisiana Tech, and UTSA. Oh. Uh, so you've got to be a little bit worried. I mean, he's on, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he's on precarious uh, ground as it is, all right,
1: a- listen. Listen to one of their signees. Listen to who they got locked up, locked horns with in this recruiting battle. All right, Sterling Galden. All right, I, I'm thinking they're trying to hit the Wes Welker, Dan, Danny Amendola mold again. Uh, please, please, please go to Rivals and look at this kid's profile picture. It, it will make, uh, it will make you laugh. We had a side story when I was working at Rivals. We used to get all these like mail ins back when people used to still mail in DVDs to us, and we had this wall. We called we called it like the Wall of Fame, very sarcastically. But people would send in these like really goofy looking pictures of themselves, and we put it on the Wall of Fame. And this kid would definitely go on the Wall of Fame. Um, so listen, Texas Tech won a grueling recruiting battle with Bowling Green, Columbia, Cornell,
0: and Dartmouth, uh, and Illinois,
1: and and TCU.
0: Yeah, and Illinois, Nevada, New Mexico, like, yeah, so... I mean, I'm not saying this kid's not good, but, I mean... He's a, uh, to be fair, he's a 5'10 white kid. He's a 5'10 <laughs> white kid, but right. so was West Welker, I guess. But, yeah, but, you know, for every West Welker, I mean, how many quasi-Welkers are there out there? Like, especially in Texas, I mean... There are a dime a dozen out there. so Yeah, but I, I guess Coach GQ is just chilling. <laughs> yeah, he's just chilling. Um, just chilling. In fact, two of his guys uh, haven't even actually signed. They've just uh, verbaled it, but actually haven't signed their paperwork in Sir Roger Thompson. And oh, Gabriel God. Douglas, this, this who is actually one of their bigger recruits, uh, wide receiver out of Denton. So. Well, to be fair, Texas Tech
2: recruits do have a hard time signing their name.
1: <laughs> uh, this kid probably <laughs> – uh, I'm surprised this kid made it to to a signing. Uh I, I think he stopped at a buffet on the way. DeMarcus <laughs> Marshall, 6'3", 350 pounds at the guard position. If you look at his recruiting profile picture, got to look like he's moving too too good.
2: <laughs> All right. This this well, the uh, last
1: things that I want to talk about before moving uh, away from the recruiting is Well, hang on. We got to give we got to um, give our legit I don't want to say uh Army, Army's DFL, obviously, but. Well, no, I did want to say one thing.
2: Actually, two things, real quick. Monroe's uh, DFL. Uh, Iowa State finding probably their wide receiver to replace Alan Lazard, the, the outstanding Alan Lazard. They got a Cyclone's got a four star kid out of Dayton, Ohio, uh, Joseph Skates, a 6'3, like that size, 180. Uh, that's going to be an intriguing. Trigging kid for Campbell uh, to work with, 25th best for a wide receiver, sixth best in a recruit-heavy state of Ohio. So I like that. And then, you guys, you did it again. We buried the lead. We didn't, go. It. we didn't talk about Arkansas.
0: They uh, What's happening down in Fayetteville? Well, they
2: dominated the competition. They finished 66th. Overall, they beat out uh, Western Michigan, Marshall, Texas, San Antonio, the
1: Cavaliers uh, of Virginia. Come on, man! Yeah.
2: Um, I'm sure Arkansas is not pleased that they finished behind Tulane, or Wake Forest, or Rutgers, or well, about half the country because they finished 66th. Uh, so well, we'll see how we'll see how Arkansas does, but they they have to love. Love this recruiting class. I mean, they they only have three two-star kids.
1: Yeah, and and they signed only 16 total, which is a great haul. Uh, now, Coach, like, I can't remember. How many players are on a football team? Uh, you, you're allowed to give out 85 scholarships. So 16 doesn't help that much. No, it doesn't. Mm. No, it doesn't. I think they were short, too, even. Well, that's a show. So, uh, their best recruit is a kid by the name... Uh, is a kid that uh, his name is more of a uh, table game than uh, a name and that's bumper pool <laughs> <laughs> that might win name of and he's a white kid too uh might win not that that matters but uh he might win name of the year in this recru- in this uh recruiting cycle in this recruiting class he's a four star kid out of uh Lucas Texas uh Lovejoy High School out in Texas uh, bumper Pool. <laughs> Alabama actually offered this kid. Purely oh because God. of the name, surely. Yeah, surely. They said, you know what? This kid was in the underclassmen challenge. Bumper Pool.
0: Um, yeah. Well, uh, oh, goodness. Bumper Pool. I like that. Bumper Pool, yeah. I like that a lot. Um,
1: and uh, His first highlight was him dropping back in coverage and then, like, flexing because... Uh, one of the corners knocked down a pass. <laughs> and then his second highlight in his uh, Rivals.com spotlight was him covering a receiver and, and that receiver not getting targeted. <laughs> well, that blanket coverage, he's a shutdown corner. Bumper and his, Island. And then his <laughs> – Bumper Island. And then his fourth highlight is him grabbing a receiver in a one-on-one rep. Bump and run, baby. That's right. Bumper, bumper pool. They don't call him bumper pool for nothing.
0: <laughs> bumper run. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, finally, they're showing him playing real football. Uh, just to tap on really quickly to,
1: uh, he's got uh, really good form on this tackle. He's like perfect. Like, he watched all the USA football instructional videos. You can tell.
0: Are they made by Tom Mansky? Of course. <laughs> did they win back to back to back AAU national championships? <laughs> How did you know, Matt? Uh, God, I just I know stuff, guys. Oh Come my. Okay, um, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, uh, just well, I want to talk about a couple notable, notable transfers. Um, uh, Shea Patterson uh, has left Ole Miss for Michigan, and Jacob Eason, uh, coach. Uh, he has left your Bulldogs go back to his home state and is going to Washington, uh, which, uh, which one of these guys will have um, a, a more impactful rest of their career. Both these guys, uh, by the way, true sophomores.
1: Yeah, honestly. Uh, I mean, you can flip a coin really. Uh, almost. I'd like to say Jacob Eason, but I think Shea Patterson with what he can bring to the table uh, for Michigan, they they're really kind of, they're, pretty talented group I mean so is Washington I guess so um, it, it really is just a coin flip so I gonna say the one I want to be a bigger impact and
0: that's Jacob Beeson uh, Josh you have any thoughts on any of these guys uh, uh, there's a
2: lot of dysfunction in Michigan it feels like so I, I'm I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say Eason. I think Chris Peterson knows what the hell he's doing, and Harbaugh has yet to prove it.
0: I'm also going to go with Eason as well because, uh, first of all, uh, he's going to have to sit out this year. Jake Browning is going to be a senior this year. It uh, works out perfectly. Browning, uh, Jake Browning can just hand – also, Jacob Eason just goes places where there are other Jakes, apparently.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> Because you know he he, he 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 lost his job this year to a Jake, and now he gets to go uh, wait in the wings behind another Jake up there in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, also, if um, if I'm uh, you know, if I'm Patterson, the other thing you've got to worry about um, is that uh, they have – that Michigan uh, brought in a five-star quarterback uh, this past year in uh, Christian McCaffrey's brother um, out, of, uh, out, of, out of, out of I think, Fort Collins, Colorado. And so – or Colorado Springs, wherever they're from. Uh, so, you know, he's going to have a lot more competition. I think J- Jacob Easton is getting set up to be in a perfect system for him, too, with Chris Peterson. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But uh, those are just my thoughts. So uh, that's going to do it for us here today then. Josh, any final thoughts? Yeah, I was looking at the
2: grad transfer list. No, no like, huge names that, that blew me away. So just two that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Iowa's backup t- quarterback, uh, Tyler Wiegers going to end his career up at Eastern Michigan. I, I think that's a nice fit for him. He he gave a lot to the Iowa program, graduated, just uh, as a kid, was stuck behind a better quarterback. And then as he moved into an classman, I brought in a, a quarterback who beat him out in camp. But uh, happy to see him end his career in Eastern Michigan. And then also uh, John Hillman, who was uh, over at Boston College, is uh, now with Rutgers. And uh, Hillman had some flashes at BC uh, way back as a freshman Rush for 860 yards. Uh, he's got 26 touchdowns in his career, most of that coming in his freshman year. But uh, nice little piece for Chris Ash to add, uh, give him a little bit more of an offensive pop. But uh, those grant transfers, that, that'll that still be a developing thing because there's some kids who haven't fully decided what
0: they're doing with their last year of eligibility. Coach, do you final words from me?
1: Well, um, just wanted to say that uh, any any people that are out there that might be listening that has uh, sons in uh, that play sports in high school, uh, one hundred and six. Oh, I'll give the percentage. Ninety-five uh, percent of the participants in this year's Super Bowl were multi-sport athletes. So I encourage. Uh, and I, I encourage all my athletes at Hillwood to, if they want to partake in as many sports as they possibly can while they're in high school, you're only in high school once. So I definitely encourage that uh, 1 million percent. So I thought that was kind of a cool fact um, from the Super Bowl. And I think uh, 28 out of the 32 draft picks in, in last year's NFL draft were also multi sport athletes. So you're kind of starting to see a trend there. So, uh, Get out there and experience as much as you possibly can.
2: Now, how many of those two sport players uh, had badminton as their second sport?
1: Um, all of them were badminton. That's, that's what? what I thought. I, I thought I had read that. Yeah, they were. Uh, they played badminton, ping pong, and and uh, and and billiards.
2: <laughs>
1: nope.
2: And no. bumper pool. No bocce.
1: <laughs>
0: Uh, bocce, bocce didn't quite make the list. Bocce is more of a
2: pastime instead of a sport,
0: <laughs> like lawn darts. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, listen, if 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 cornhole was was a varsity sport, I would have been a freaking five star recruit coming out of high school. <laughs> yes. I am. Uh, I, I am unstoppable. As as Josh knows, he's seen me in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably, our former roommate's twenty first birthday party, where I did not lose. Uh, I I went I went twelve for twelve that night. Um, Oh, and 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 the only time I could be bothered to leave was for to get more woodchuck hard cider.
1: (laughs) How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? I
0: don't know.
1: Could a uh, could a perco chug if a perco
0: could chug woodchuck? (laughs) <laughs> um, well, a, a perco could chug, chug <laughs> could chug woodchuck if a perco could chug woodchuck. But it's it's all moot point. Uh, yeah, we've, we've officially talked to the finish of this podcast. Yes, we officially have. So uh, on that note, uh, we're going to end it uh, today. Also, there's no trees left for the woodchucks to chuck because Greg Chiano's already chopped them all down. Um <laughs> Uh, So uh, we're going to wrap up there. So uh, until next time here on Illegal Motion, um, uh, I want to say so long. And on behalf of uh, our Intrepid Offensive Coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, and our Intrepid Blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in the second city, this is the professor in Nashville saying so long. And see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.